the field of human conflict, but so much owed by so many to so few. another episode of Radio UF. My name is Laura de Alba, head of UF Radio, and I'm here in the studio with Shastin Sigfarsson. Hello, Shastin. Hello. And we're very excited because today we're going to talk about uh, the, a very exciting and interesting topic. Uh, and it's uh, the title we decided to give it is The, the Paradox of uh, Globalized Sami. Um And this is the first one of a series of episodes dedicated to globalization in a collaboration that we're doing with Utrecht Magazine, the uh, magazine of foreign affairs. And uh, stay tuned because we're going to have a bunch of really interesting episodes uh, exploring different aspects, uh, consequences and uh, angles of globalization. But without further ado, uh, introducing uh, we would like to introduce you to the today's episode. Um, we think that globalization is often perceived as means of uniting people, reducing world scale, and fostering closeness. However, it's due to capitalist market values that may exclude certain groups. Recent trends like digital nomadism enable specialized workers in the third sector to work wherever they choose. But this trend has also led to gentrification and other types of social problems. Uh, the U.S. freedom movement uh, treaties facilitate the exchange of people and goods, uh, and uh, the policies have led to uh, technocratization and exploitation of uh, low, uh, natural resources in a different manner. So we met with Stefan Mikkelson from the Zemetignet. Uh, he was very kindly. He very kindly dedicated. A bunch of his time to give us an interview. Uh, so here it is like a clip of Stefan introducing himself. My name is Stefan Mikkelson and I am deputy chair of the board of Sami Parliament, which is uh, a governmental affiliated organization. And I have been dealing with reindeer husbandry, managing my family's reindeers as an occupation from from when I was a youth until I become very <laughs> until I became become older so that has been my source of living but not only a living it's a certain lifestyle and so I don't have any academic western education or I never had an work ordinary work or a regular income so of course that has affected my life and my way of thinking Now I'm fortunate enough to to be a member of the Sami Parliament and also, as I told you earlier, the deputy chair of the board. So, uh, and together we, the Sami Parliament's in in the article, uh, as, 
have a constitu constitution of uh, more than 30,000 uh, voluntarily submitted uh, individuals who have applied to be part of the voting list, and we elect more than 90 indigenous parliamentarians in the three elections that we have. So we have we have never had as good opportunities as we do have now to know what is good for us and to speak for ourselves. Yes, and that was Stefan Mikkelsson, deputy chair of the Sami parliament. And you're going to listen to Sunny Days by the Streets. Meet you after the break. So that was Bright Sunny Day by the Streets, and you're listening to Radio UF at Studentradion 98.9. And this program is about the Sami people and how they are being affected by the globalization. So as you might know, the Sami people are the indigenous people of Norway, uh, Sweden, Finland and partly Russia. Uh, and their historical land is called Sapmi and the Sami people uh, are today consisting of around 80,000 to 100,000 people. And the majority of them are living in Norway. Uh, the Sami people have been mistreated a lot during uh, long periods of history for an example, by the Swedish government uh, during the and the yeah the establishment of the Race Biological Institute in Sweden, and to this day, the Sami people are still facing a lot of uh, racism. They are also, however, in the middle of a radical change in the production of energy and extraction of resources. So. As the society are changing and adopting, establishing more sources of green energy, many of the new power plants are actually located in the north of Sweden and Norway, more specifically in Sápmi. Uh, and this is, of course, greatly affecting the Sámi people. Uh, in the Swedish case, this is a part of the uh, like industrialization in the north of Sweden, and it acquires a lot of energy. This puts the Sami people in the middle of this green revolution at cost of their rights. Uh, and our episode so today is intended to deal with the consequences of this green revolution. So we have, as you know, been interviewing Stefan Mikkelson, who is the deputy chair of the Sami parliament. And we have also asked him to make a short recap on these historical circumstances surrounding the Sami people. And what elements are important to keep in mind while discussing this uh, topic? So right now we will listen to his interview about that. And in Sweden we have the the creation of the State Race Biological Institute that took place in 1919 to 1921. And of course that set the standards of institutional and structural discrimination that is based on the foundation of races. And this is uh, the wording of institutional structural discrimination is the uh, the words of the DO Office of Discriminations Ombudsman, who has uh, stated that in 2013. So it's it's not the Summit Parliament's own word, but it's a very serious um, situation that we live in, and uh, we have <laughs> we are facing the uh, polarization and the racism in the north. Uh, but we have to combat that, uh, and we can do that better together, working together. So 
So that was Stefan Mikkelson, uh, deputy chair of the Sami parliament's comment on the Sami situation. Yes, and uh, there's a lot of things to say about the history of uh, oppression of Sami people, in not only in Sweden, but also uh, in Finland, Norway, Denmark, all over Scandinavia. Um, if we're, if uh, we refer to the example that Stefan mentioned, uh, you can look at a film called Sami Blood by Amanda Carnell, based here in Uppsala, and talking about uh, yeah, what was what was committed against uh, Sami people. Uh, so we are going on a break again. You're listening to Radio F and you're going to uh, hear from Nardes Revanche uh, by Bartima. And we're back here at the studio. Uh, you were listening to Nardes Revanche by Bartima. Uh, and in this prata, we would like to speak about the um, Sami parliament, a really important uh, body of representation for Sami people uh, from uh, Sápmi, all over Sápmi. This territory extends uh, across borders of uh, several, skin, like all the Scandinavian countries and Russia as well. Um, so uh, I think it's better if you hear it from Stefan himself uh, about the importance of the Sami parliament. We celebrate now thirty years anniversary of the establishment. 26th of August, in 1993, it was inaugurated in, in the presence of, of the king, Swedish king. And of course, that is a major step forward. And we don't have any legal um, possibilities to, to to do what what we, what we really would like to do. But well, we have one item that it, uh, it's it's very obvious that. Uh, Uh, elected parliament can can do and uh, that is raising public awareness and we can take space in the in the S- swedish uh, debate and also claim that we are the people of sapmi and the, that we have the rights of um, being a distinct distinct people and of course it's easier now when the swedish constitution uh, support us in that way since, since the sami people are mentioned in the swedish constitution and it's a huge step forward and it would not have happened without the Sami parliaments. I do think it, it is enough, but we have a, a minor problem that it's not respected. Mm. Not respected by the by the European parliamentarism and the, the, the indigenous cultures in circumpolar Arctic and also globally have the same fate. So it's a step forward and it has not yet been visible in the management of the nature or the management of the world and culture heritage Laponia for instance but mm-hmm. we we have to be positive and try to also give them the youth a reason to continuation to continue with the with the culture of mothers and fathers and grand grandparents So that was Stefan Mikkelson, deputy chair of the Sami parliament, about the importance of the Sami parliament. And I think what we should get from his uh, comment on on how important the Sami parliament is, is that it is important, but it should also be given more importance in Swedish decision making. We see some examples in in Sweden where the Sami people do not get the right to uh, raise their voices and impact on decisions that are very much impacting their like um, reindeer breeding. 
Yes, and now you're going to listen to Malarviken by Sake, Annika Norlin. This is Radio F via Student Radio 90 och Takamene. And we're back uh, at Radio F. We're talking about the paradoxes of globalized SAPME. And um, we've discussed, we've listened to Stefan Mikkelsen discuss the importance of the semi-parliament with giving you a bit of a historical recap. And right now we would like to, we're getting into the analysis that is the topic of this episode. And I think that we cannot understand this in terms of, without um, looking at the history of the nation state and how uh, people are giving their civil and political rights through citizenship. And, uh, well, this is a system because we agree that, yes, we need to find a system to uh, ensure rights. But uh, I think that we haven't, no society has really found a way to include um, everybody in this model. And the fact that Sami people have had a history of nomadism and hence do not like have the the traditional or worse, not the traditional, but the Western model of owning like allows for some groups to abuse their power and to uh, disrespect the human rights of indigenous groups. This is the case uh, in any country that we think about. But since we're uh, only talking about Sami here, um, we would uh, we asked this question to Stefan also and to see what his uh, perception of this was, uh, if this was still the case, and uh, to like see how this mining problems and projects have been taken into consideration or not the indigenous and regional peoples uh, living there. Yes, it's still valid. And of course, it's also more important nowadays than earlier because we have had the, the predatory extractions of natural resources for more than 100 years. And we shall not forget that the Swedish parliament seized the national parks protection of Stora Sjöfallet National Park in 1919. It has been valid in 10 years, but then it was seized. And the most precious part of the what is now known as the world and cultural heritage were uh, allowed to be destroyed in accordance with Swedish law. So the, 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 the spaces where people have lived very close to the water, where they had access to food and they could also have safe transportation during summer and, and winters are now a place for a production of electricity and the, we can also notice that the, the profits that was gained from this uh, destruction of the culture and nature uh, does not stay in the neighborhood or in the municipalities. It goes down to the south or in, in, on, into the market of European uh, financial uh, markets. Yeah, so that was Stefan Mikkelson. Deputy Chair of the Sami Parliament, uh, speaking on the land and extractions uh, of natural resources going on uh, right now. Uh, in the next prata, in the next section, we're going to discuss this uh, European politics that uh, have in a large way been like not the reason or also the, the sort of uh, triggering event uh, to a lot of this projects. So stay tuned, we're gonna listen to Et Liv by Dolce. 
Welcome back. This is Radio UF uh, at Student Radio 98.9 with me, Kerstin and Laura. And we are talking about the uh, future of the globalized SAPMI. And we have been hearing, Laura, about a green colonization. So what does that mean? Yeah, so green colonization is a term that has been coined by a lot of analysts and uh, taken a little bit by the media, uh, referring to the policies that are um, supposed to be environmentally friendly, uh, but in the end uh, result in the oppression and the dispossession of land of indigenous people. And I think that what's going on in Sápmi is a really good example. Uh, we see, for example, that uh, mining projects by the LKAB or LKAB, uh, a really big uh, mining company here in Sweden, um, have been declared of public interest. And uh, in an interview that the attaché de presse or like the the spokesperson of LKAB. Uh, gave to Radio France, uh, he uh, said that, you know, this is better for the environment because we need to provide, the, the market needs this uh, this products, that, this resources that we're extracting from the earth and uh, we're doing it in the most sustainable way and uh, we need to keep doing this and we need the support of the Swedish government because otherwise China is going to take over the market and they, are, they do not care about human rights and the environment. And uh, this is like this is their argument, of course. Uh, and uh, but we also asked Stefan what he had seen. Uh, what I mean, being on the ground and seeing it from close uh, or closer than anyone. So uh, here's uh, his answer. And we never heard or hear about any limits, uh, limits of taking new undestroyed areas into possession and make a steel plant or a power plant or whatever it is. And uh, so the, what we, what I do estimate is that they will take everything that's available. Nothing will be protected, not even in the in the small area of World and Culture Heritage Laponia, since now the, the social democratic government allowed uh, 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 permit for mining uh, pro- mining activities very close to the world and culture heritage Laponia, and of course, if you have a mobile reindeer husbandry and also people are moving around and not li- no, there's no one who's li- who's steady living inside the, this kind of protected area. But if you make uh, desert looking conditions outside the world and culture heritage, it will also influence the content of the world and culture heritage. But it's it's not a value for the Swedish uh, state. It's not a value for the uh, for the Swedish citizens. That for the majority of the Swedish citizens, it's more they more uh, looking into conditions where they have increased number of uh, inhabitants in the municipalities and increased increased income, and uh, to want to uh, explore the earth as much as possible and let others to do the the limiting the consumption habits and spreading the wealth we should also remember that it's this wealth that is created by extraction of natural resources it's not spread it to the persons individuals who have misfortune in their life yeah so you heard stefan's comment about it um you were listening to radio uf the paradoxes of global me and we're leaving you with uh, some music. Festival Day by Dalmatin.
And we're back in the studio. Thank you for listening to Radio UF. And we've been talking about the green colonization going up uh, north. Uh, we said green colonization with a question mark. We It's up to discussion and everybody can, of course, uh, you know, have different opinions and different uh, uh, perspectives. But uh, we also see that it's not only happening in Sweden. Uh, it's happening uh, in other countries as well. And uh, Shazen, I think you had a really good example of, uh, or a, of a similar phenomenon in Norway, isn't it? Yes. So the last couple of weeks we have seen, seen massive protests in Oslo. And it is because of the uh, exploitation of the mountain area of Storheja in Trondelag, Norway. Uh, where they have been breeding reindeer since the 1600s. And in uh, 2006, uh, Statkraft Development AS expressed interest in an expansion of the wind turbine plant in Fosen, close to, the, close to this mountain area. And this was approved by the Norwegian state. Uh, and the Sami people there are very much against it, since they are... Uh, considering it a big like risk and a big potential like the potential downfall of their reindeer breeding uh, and during in 2021 the supreme court of norway determined that the wind turbine plant is against the rights of indigenous people as it interferes with the reindeer breeding and during 2022, uh, the, both the company, Fos and Wind, and the government of Norway proceeded to trying to find a way of securing the usage of this power plant in harmony with the reindeer breeding, although it had been like established as... Um, Illegal. Yeah. By the court. Yeah, interesting. And has there been any formal statement by the Sami about this situation? What do what do they think about this? Uh, yeah, so they think that it is not possible to keep this power plant and the reindeer breeding. Um, they see it as impossible, and the like sounds of the the wind turbines will interfere with the reindeer breeding. And what happens next? What is the follow up? Uh, will the state do anything about it? I mean, uh, it's uh, it would be a little bit contradictory to not uh, follow a decision of its own, uh, you know, uh, judiciary body. Yeah, so that's very like interesting to follow because it has been like 500 days since the uh, Fosen wind power plant was decided uh, against the law. And lately we have seen large protests mainly by Sami youths in Oslo. And this is a good reason to bring this example as it, as you said, goes against the like uh, law to keep this power plant going. And it is against the Sami... The, it, affects the Sapmi and it is against the rights of the indigenous people. So this is this is an interesting example of what can happen. And as we heard Stefan talk about in the Swedish case, this is this is a common thing in in the northern countries happening right now. Exactly. The fact that there is actually uh, in the paper, everything looks good. There is a body of representation. There is decisions going in favor of uh, human rights of indigenous people. But in practice, there is a very different reality. Uh, permits keep getting granted uh, or permits keep being granted for these projects. Uh, and uh, there's no actual enforcement of these decisions. Um, 
And I think that uh, Stefan mentioned it earlier, but uh, it's all, it also gets funding and support from the European Union because there's like the energy uh, transition policies. And uh, I well, this is really great and important. Uh, it needs to be done in a way that it includes every single inhabitant. Definitely. So, yes, you're listening to Radio UF. We're going on a break and you are going to listen to Ensamheten. Um by Arvid Nero. Stick with us. Som fjärilar i natten fladdrar vänner We're back here at the studio. We were discussing in the previous section about how the the situations with mining and resources and you know the inclusion of indigenous people in the in the in the discussion in the table is going and uh we would like to continue this discussion now um because and and i i'm pretty curious about how the this happened and we're going back to the question that uh, motivated this episode like how does ownership of land uh, affect this what's the role of this and we asked Stefan because he has lived it and he, of course, knows a lot of people in the same situation. So, uh, yeah, we, we asked him if uh, this was something that facilitated the extraction of natural resources in Sapmi. It, it was a, an aim from the Swedish parliamentarists to make uh, make the legal rights of the Sami individuals to be weakened and to not valid any longer because uh, the Sami individuals paid tax for their for their uh, land of certain areas which they paid tax to the Swedish state but then it was declared illegal or not valid mm -hmm. and it was a very very uh, well prepared decision to make it sure that the access to the natural resources would be allowed and it would be also giving the dominating society a source of income or production of wealth etc so but it, it's a limited era despite it's quite big so it's still a limited era and the natural resources are now fading away in many areas and we have noticed the european union and their activities and they they, they don't care so much about indigenous peoples even though they say they do it but it's only the confession of their lips Shazen, I think that something really interesting about what he said is uh, that there is still, you know, some tax being paid, some, you know, uh, a system in place. But that since this uh, mining project was deemed more important and the profits that it was going to uh, generate, exactly generate, this was just like dismissed completely. And um, I think it's also very interesting how... Uh, this kind of energy and this kind of mining has been deemed as sustainable. Is it really sustainable if it goes against the rights of the indigenous people? I mean, sustainable in an environmental way, yes, but we still have to care for the uh, indigenous people. Exactly, and it's still not the case entirely. Like Maybe it is less harmful than technologies that we've uh, heard before, but I think that fr going from like less harmful to like this is green 
mining. I think that that's like a really big step. And uh, it's not just uh, what uh, Stefan said, but uh, lots of reports uh, show that this is actually bad for the reindeer. Uh, this is bad for the fa- uh, fauna and flora of uh, the Arctic that is melting. And that is also, you know, uh, so I understand there's like um, different interests at stake and it's also important to get resources but uh, I think that then there maybe should be more investment on like new technologies that are coming up uh, to actually make it sustainable and to actually and not just brand it as such for the sake of profit yeah definitely so you are listening to Radio UF and unfortunately unfortunately, now we have to go on a break uh, so we are playing Dang by Karoline Polacek So we're back, Radio UF at Student Radio 98.9. And uh, as a conclusion, we would like to say that the current uh, energy politics of the European Union, Norway and Sweden are posing a serious threat against the reindeer breeding. And many of the current products, projects, such as the mine in Kiruna and the Fosen uh, wind power plant, could be against the rights and or are against the rights of the indigenous people. Uh, and because of the need for green energy and the general understanding of the traditional reindeer breeding being so low, uh, the interest of the like general public are to keep on doing these kind of projects. And that's really sad. Uh, and it has also been a great problem that there are only a few or no limits to the extraction es- extraction of natural resources. Yes, and I think that that's also like a paradox, right? Uh, globalization and again the theme of the semester that we're exploring, that it's uh, you know you want to create an inclusiveness but you also need to define what that inclusiveness is and then everything that falls outside of that uh, then then it's just uh, completely forgotten and uh, yeah even actively pushed us outside so yeah uh, unfortunately we're out of time for today's episode um But stay tuned. Uh, We're going to have other really interesting episodes on globalization throughout the whole month of November and even uh, into December. And uh, don't forget to write to us where you can find us us at Radio UF on Instagram. And uh, if you would like to participate uh, or make any of your ideas into an episode, don't hesitate to contact us. We're here to help you. We can uh, help you from A to Z. Uh, And... Without further ado, we would like to leave you with a poem uh, that Stefan read to us in the Nordsamiska. And uh, yeah, leave you with a reflection. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. I think I will choose a Nordsamisk since I have a po- poet, a small, small poem written by Nils Arslak Valkep, the famous Ailoash. And it sounds like this, my home is in my heart and I carry it always with me. So it's, uh, we have, we have uh, the Sami people have very good poets since we are, ta- everything that are dear to us in the nature, in many cases are removed and destroyed. So, but they cannot destroy uh, the, 
the memory and the, the visions of a, a fair and just uh, justice in the world that we hope for our people sake so our culture can survive and thrive in the art 